from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch, friends. My name is Joseph Backholm. I'm a senior fellow for Biblical Worldview here at Family Research Council, and it's my pleasure to be with you and sitting in for Tony today. We begin by recognizing the sad news, the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Of course, our thoughts and our prayers are with the Queen and with her family and those who mourn her today. Uh, briefly, Tony said on Twitter, and I'll read this as a statement here. She said that he said, the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, who has been a consistent and beloved figure on the world stage for nearly a century, is a moment to reflect on our eternal nature. Then also quoted 1 Corinthians 2.9, which says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It is indeed an opportunity uh, to reflect on our own mortality. And certainly she lived a, a significant life that we uh, remember and honor today. Also today on the program, the attorneys general from two states did an investigation and now they want more information about the relationship between the Biden administration and big tech. We'll talk about what those investigations found and what the problem is. Also, Stephen Kendrick of the Kendrick Brothers will be stopping by to talk to us about their new movie called Life Mark. You'll enjoy that conversation, uh, to be sure. In addition, the Babylon Bee, everyone's favorite Christian satire site, just favorite satire site, has just released their hilarious new Guide to Democracy. And one of the authors, Joel Berry from the Babylon Bee, will swing by to talk about the state of democracy in the U.S. and the book that they've written about it and what we can all do to help. Stay tuned for that uh, guaranteed to be entertaining uh, conversation that we will have. But our headline today, for the first time ever, the Department of Veterans Affairs plans to allow abortions for veterans and their dependents in certain cases on federal property, even in states where abortion is illegal. And in an interview posted yesterday, Army Chief Staff General James McConville made clear that the Army will consider requests from service members who want to transfer to states where abortion is legal. We try to uh, make sure that we're taking care of soldiers and at the same time if we can meet their preferences while taking care of them of where they might want to serve and we have a job that meets their skill set, then that's certainly a consideration. Well, uh, while the military appears ready to accommodate service members in the area of abortion, they remain unwilling to accommodate service members who prefer not to get a COVID-19 vaccine for religious reasons or any other reason. Joining me now to discuss all of it is U.S. Representative Ralph Norman. He serves on the House Committee on Financial Services and the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, and he represents South Carolina's 5th Congressional District. Congressman Norman, good to see you today. Great to be with you, Joseph. Thank you. Now, first, I just want to get your reaction to the announcement from the Army that they may be willing to accommodate the wishes of soldiers who don't want to live in states that ban abortions. You know, Joseph, isn't it ironic that the general mentioned they were willing to accommodate those who want abortions and go to states that um, allow it? When where is the accommodations for soldiers with PSD? Where is the accommodations uh, for soldiers who lost a paycheck because they wouldn't get the COVID shot? 
uh, where is the where's the uh, uh, where's the accommodation from soldiers that I know from South Carolina who want to uh, want to move closer to where their families are? Where is that ac- accommodation? It's not because this administration uh, wants to upsurp. Uh, Roe v. Wade, which was returned to the states, and they're doing everything in their power to do it through the military. Well, to that point, in this conversation, General McConville said they are always looking to take care of the preferences of service members. Let's play clip two. We're always uh, looking at how we can take care of our soldiers and any impact that policy will have. We stay out of the policy mode, as, as you may know, in the laws. And, and what we're going to do is we're committed to taking care of our soldiers and families. Now, we, we certainly hope that they are taking care of, of, of service members and that they consider their needs. Do you think that this means they might also honor the wishes of a soldier who may want to live in a pro-life state? What this means is it's just words, uh, as is, has happened so much in this administration. You don't get any action. Uh, they're getting action now on, by, the, by this administration, by General McCulvin, on the abortion issue, which they support. So, uh, you know, accommodation uh, and, you know, trying to help the soldiers, uh, it's, it, it's all boils down to how you define that. But, again, they sure hadn't done it with, with those who lost paychecks and those who uh, want religious uh, liberties for not taking the shot and the other things I mentioned. But this just is an onslaught uh, against our democracy, our freedom of religion. And uh, it's going to keep on until we change course and get this administration out. I, you know, it's, it's amazing that we got two more years of this to put up with. Uh, but it's been, uh, it's been filtered down from the top. And the general states it right. In his mind, uh, he's been directed to give liberties for those who want to kill a child. And so uh, we're going to voice our opinion. We're going to fight it. To that point, uh, put some context around this idea of giving accommodations to service members. So far, 1,500 service members have been dismissed because they have refused to get the COVID vaccine. And there are upwards of 50,000 more potentially that this could happen to because they have declined. Now, we've covered some lawsuits that in recent days have actually, uh, courts have ruled favorably toward those who have a religious objection. And we hope that there will be more exemptions but it has and, and we've also talked about the way COVID is impacting or not impacting what's going on at the border. And the Biden administration has essentially declared the COVID emergency over with respect to immigration at the southern border. But in this case, uh, certainly not for service members who are continuing to not want to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Have we seen any movement on that where the Biden administration might reconcile those positions and start becoming more consistent. So if they're not going to force people who are immigrating legally or illegally into the country, they might also um, relieve the pressure on service members. Well, get this, Joseph. Just just l- listen to the words. He's going to declare the pandemic over at the border. When was it ever in, uh, ever in, a, in effect? They were coming across the border since the day he took office. We had over 230,000 uh, this past, past month, month that were caught. 
not to mention the 3.5 million that are estimated to be in this country. They weren't given tests. I've been to the border twice. Uh, it never was. The COVID vaccine never was in effect for the aliens, yet it's been in effect for the military. And I can't tell you the numbers of people from my home state that called. And I think nationwide, I've heard more like 65, 70,000 uh, members who, you know, uh, could lose their job, not to mention the fact that they're so uh, distraught over what's happening to the wokeness in the military. But uh, I assume the onslaught will continue, but we're going to fight it. And uh, just as, you know, I fought it with the companies that wanted to pay for abortions for, for employees to travel. I wrote, have written letters to the eight, eight um, companies. And, um, you know, my bill, uh, 8776, which yeah. uh, specifies no federal funds uh, for, uh, for those to travel, uh, to get abortions uh, if it's not prohibited by the Hyde Amendment. So it's a uh, onslaught of uh, the Supreme Court decision, which got it right to abolish Roe v. Wade and put it back to the states. A couple of things you mentioned there that I want to get into. First, it has to do with military readiness and recruitment. A reports out this week that applications to our military academies are down as much as a third what do you have any uh, reason to think or where do you think that's coming from why do we continue to have these problems is it exclusively a function of the the diversity equity inclusion kind of the wokeness of the military that's discouraging a lot of people who otherwise would have joined the military from doing so you know i think i know i've seen in south carolina uh, those who expect you know the military academies to represent the, the best of the best uh, and there's so those who are even have been admitted uh, and have been there a year or more are very upset with the wokeness that's coming from this administration. So, yes, the uh, had a veteran at a meeting yesterday who said that the, he had heard the same thing. The percentages uh, of those who want to serve and go to the academies are way down as much as 35 to 40 percent. Uh, and it's a direct result of this administration. This didn't happen during the Trump administration yeah. uh, because he was pro-military. But it's so many things that are under attack by the Biden administration that is so harmful to our military. This is our national preparedness. And just like you mentioned the immigration, that's a national security issue. Uh, but they don't look at it this way, and they're doing everything they can to weaken every every part of the military, which is so sad. With respect to recruitment to the academies or just to um, just enlistment and enlisted soldiers, and uh, generally speaking, do you think the White House sees this as a problem that the numbers are down, or do they see this as a good thing that their policies, the wokeness, however you want to describe that, the diversity, equity, inclusion, the emphasis on preferred pronouns, allowing transgendered soldiers to serve and paying for their surgeries while they're in there, do they see the deterrent effect that that may be having as a good thing because it's deterring people that they don't want in the military from joining the military? Well, it's doing that, Joseph, but it's doing even more. I've talked to I don't know how many Navy SEALs who have served a extended period of time who can't believe what's happening and can't believe that uh, this administration, everything they do has some string attached. And the strings attached, particularly with the military now, are the woke, as you mentioned, pronouns, uh, you know, sex change operations and that type thing. When has this ever in America been a priority of a, of the military? It's been to protect and defend 
uh, our great country. And it's just it's been undermined in every way. And no, I don't think the administration's upset. I think this is accomplishing what they want. Undermine the military, uh, just like they have undermining the police. They put every American at risk and blood is on their hands. Blood is exactly on their hands. Well, it is it is worth acknowledging at this point in the conversation that one of the fundamental tenets of wokeness generally, and again, that's a difficult concept to describe, but one of the things that it generally holds is that America is not fundamentally a force for good. It's fundamentally a force for bad that has to be reconstructed. And when you tell people who are going to come in and put their lives on the line for their country, that this country that you're asked to put your lives on the line for is actually a fundamentally bad force on the planet, that's a difficult case to make for those who would be in the position of defending it. Now, Congressman Norman, quickly, tell us a bit more about the legislation you proposed that would prevent the government from spending money to travel for abortions. Yeah, I had 26 co-sponsors, and it just basically restricts federal funding of abortion travel where it's not covered by the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits it already. Uh, And it's been a real struggle. Uh, This administration is running rogue over our Constitution. It's running rogue over uh, our whole system of government. So this is just an attempt to highlight it and to that's why I had the number of co-sponsors that we've had and we've been out of session uh, for the last 30 days but people are upset about it and uh, we're not going to let it lie and the the while we're in the majority we have to get our voice back and that's what gives me comfort and gives me hope the American people are doing that and this will highlight what this administration is trying to do with our federal dollars plus Joseph we don't have the money to spend on that uh, again, we, we don't have the money to, to spend on our uh, military, and we can you know, fund Ukraine, and we can fund so many left-wing programs, but, but not, uh, we got to stop the abortion issue. Well, if it's my body, my choice, they can certainly pay for their own abortions. Congressman Norman, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Coming up next, is the White House colluding with big tech platforms to stifle free speech? We'll talk about it when we come back. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. 
Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Joseph Backholm sitting in for Tony today. Reminder that the website is TonyPerkins.com. An investigation by attorneys general from Louisiana and Missouri revealed what they call, quote, an incestuous relationship between the White House and big tech companies working together to stifle the freedom of speech. Tech oversight from the White House was so exhaustive that they even asked Instagram to ban a Dr. Fauci parody account. Of course, the meta-owned Instagram immediately complied. Joining me now to discuss all of it, the collusion between the White House and big tech is Louisiana Solicitor General Liz Murrell. Solicitor General Murrell, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, quickly, tell us what your investigation found. Well, you know, we launched this lawsuit with um, some examples of the censoring of speech by big tech and with evidence that 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 was coming from pressure from the government. And but now that we've been able to engage in some expedited discovery that was permitted by the judge in the case, we have found a whole lot more examples of it. We've got a long list of government officials, basically, who are partnering with big tech to censor speech. And now the judge is actually allowing us to expand the lawsuit to add more agencies, including including the FBI. Tell us a bit about this. Is this what you're discovering, this collusion? Is this starting with the big tech companies or is the uh, White House, is the Biden administration initiating these communications and telling people this is what we need you to do? Yeah, I think that's I think it's the latter. Like we what we have seen in the communications that they've produced so far, which is certainly not exhaustive, um, we're not anywhere near being done with collecting the information that we've asked for in this lawsuit. But what we are seeing is that this was initiated by the government and that the government has in, engaged with these companies and put pressure on them to remove content. Now what we're also seeing is that these companies are pretty, they are very cooperative about doing it. So, you know, where that line 
begins and ends is sometimes hard to tell when they are so cozy together. Now, that, that's exactly what we're all kind of curious about. Of course, the White House has acknowledged the fact that there are communications, that there is some kind of a relationship. A White House, White House spokeswoman, Karine Jean-Pierre, had this to say about the relationship that they have with these social media companies. Let's play clip four. What about if those communications are still happening? Are there frequent contacts between the administration and social media companies? So I'll say this, you know, as as we have said before, there has been ongoing work uh, dating to the Trump administration to provide accurate COVID information where folks get their news. Uh, Solicitor General Murrell, do you think that's a fair characterization that this is just about making sure the public has accurate information? Well, I think it's, you know, there's a lot wrapped up in what the government has decided is accurate information or not. I mean, what they're doing is censoring people's speech when they don't agree with what they're saying. And the the scope of that, you know, the the blocking of people's content is is only growing larger and larger with the information that we've been able to uncover. So, you know, I think she is being, I guess, pretty honest in saying we're, we're doing it, we're still doing it, and we're going to keep doing it. And I, I just think that the tell is in when she says we are trying to make sure that people have accurate information. Well, last time I checked, the government was not – they weren't the monitors of our speech on public media and deciding whether they agree or disagree with what we're saying. People can say things that are inaccurate, and it's still protected by the First Amendment. So what we see in the collusion between these companies and the government is now the companies are effectively becoming agents of the government. They're doing whatever the government tells them to do. And and let's drill down on that for a moment, because— these tech companies have long acknowledged the fact that they are censoring certain perspectives. And the defense has always been, we are private companies. We can do whatever we want. The government can't tell the, the first amendment does not restrain private companies. You don't have free speech on someone else's private platform. Does that analysis change at all? If it turns out that the white house or that the government is actually directing the decisions of these uh, private companies. Well, it certainly does. I mean, if the government is directing these companies, and I I think it changes no matter what. I mean, either they are agents of the government or the government is pressuring them to act in a way that violates people's First Amendment rights. Either way, it is a huge problem for the government to be pressuring these companies or the companies to be acting um, collusively with them to censor people's speech as an agent of the government. We also, you know, they have long also taken the position that they are not editors, that they get the Section 230 exemption under the Communications Act because they claim not to be editors. Well, what do we find? We find that they, in fact, are editors. They heavily edit what people say and what people put out on their platforms. So they, they could lose their Section 230 exemption as well, and be treated more like newspapers or people who do edit content and radio stations. It seems beyond dispute at this point that they are editing content in so many ways. And we saw the conversations Mm -hmm. that uh, Mark Zuckerberg was having with Joe Rogan recently and where he 
acknowledge that these communications with the federal government were happening and they were, in fact, uh, throttling the information people received based on what they were told. And and Solicitor General Murrell, are you more concerned with the fact that the government would try to influence what these companies do or that the these companies would do what the government tells them to do? You know, look, I think the latter is more concerning, frankly. I mean, it, it's when they are cooperatively allowing themselves to be co-opted by the government and the government is able to capture corporate America and use them to affect policies that they could not implement on their own, then it is a huge problem. And, you know, I do, I do hope that people are paying attention and watching what's happening with corporate America because we see a very, very cozy relationship with the federal government that is permitting policies that the government can't enact to be carried out under the auspices or under the umbrella of a private organization claiming to be acting privately. Solicitor General Louisiana, Liz Merle, thanks for your time today. I know we will continue this conversation. We look forward to doing that again, but thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Coming up next, new movie out you need to know about. We'll talk about it when we come back. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Joseph Backholm sitting in for Tony today. You just heard that announcement for the Prairie Boat Stand Summit that will be happening in Atlanta, Georgia next week from Wednesday through Friday, September 14th through the 16th. Looking forward to seeing so many of you there. Also a reminder that today is the last day to enter our drawing for a complimentary family pass to this year's Prairie Boat Stand Summit. To enter the drawing, text the word SUMMIT to 67742. That's text the word SUMMIT to 67742 to be entered for your free family pass. Lots of people have entered, uh, but you do have one more chance today. The drawing will be taking place tomorrow. And look forward to getting your whole family to the Prevost Stand Summit for free. In addition, I want to remind you that as part of that, there will be a worldview session for high school and college students specifically. That's Friday afternoon from 4 to 7 p.m. That will include a 90-minute Ask Anything Q&A session. I'll be part of that. Others will be as well. It will be a great time to just discuss the most challenging questions and situations that young people are working through in their lives today, in the culture that they're living in today. We look forward to having that conversation, and I look forward to seeing you there. Now, a new Christian film from executive producers Kirk Cameron and the Kendrick Brothers will hit theaters nationwide tomorrow. The movie is called Life Mark, and it's based on a true story that celebrates adoption, reconciliation, and love. Joining me now to discuss this, as well as his new film, is Stephen Kendrick, executive producer of Lifemark. Stephen, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, it's my pleasure to be a part of the program tonight. We really appreciate all you guys do every day, and we're excited about Lifemark hitting theaters this weekend. Well, we are excited about what you are doing as well. It's so true. There is so much bad media, and it's such a great platform. It's such a great medium, and it's so powerful because it changes and affects the way we we think and feel and act, and it should be used for good more often than it is, and we're thankful to you uh, for using it for the purpose that God intended for it. But tell us a little bit about the new film that you have coming out this weekend. Life Mark is based on a true story. Uh, it is a pro-life, pro-adoption movie. Uh, it's actually about an 18-year-old girl who was feeling pressured to have an abortion. At the last second, she made the decision to put her baby up for adoption. When she had him and held him, she changed her mind and, and wanted to keep him, but she had made a commitment to the adoption. And then you fast forward to... 18 years later, he was adopted with a Christian family that raised him, loved him. He loved his life. But when the adoption records opened up, he was able to make contact with his birth mom and go on a journey with a friend to see her and meet her for the first time. Well, she thought he hated her guts and that she was afraid to meet him, but he just wanted to thank her for choosing life and for the decision she made to put him up for adoption. It ends up, they go skydiving together the next day. They now travel and speak and talk about uh, how this one decision has impacted them, their families, and other generations. And he's now a, 
a lawyer and he's helping other families to adopt as well. This movie uh, really presents the entire perspective. You see the birth mom and her perspective. You see the child growing up and what he thinks about his life. You see the adopted parents and you follow them over 20 years. And there's action in this movie. There's humor, there's drama, there's emotion, but it communicates a biblical message that life is precious and adoption is beautiful. So we think that right now, this generation of the church needs to hear this because the Supreme Court battle has gone from Roe v. Wade being overturned at the national level to now being 50 battles at the state level. Legislators at every state level need to be encouraged and prayed over to choose life for the people in their states. They will be held accountable by God for that decision. The church at the same time has to stand up and support adoption right now for such a time as this. Your description of the movie is one that I agree with. I have seen it. It is an incredibly uplifting message. And, you know, I know it takes more than a few weeks to make a movie. And so you've been working on this for a while, but the timing is incredible because with the over uh, the reversal of Roe versus Wade, as you mentioned, this is now an issue in every state in America, which means every person has a say. Do you think that that's providential? Absolutely. We spent months in prayer after the movie Overcomer, asking God to give us clarity on next steps. When he led us to this story, it was completely outside of our box. Kirk Cameron had contacted us. He had watched a documentary called I Lived on Parker Avenue that was just riveting. And Kirk called us and said, this lines up with everything I believe in. Uh, would you guys pray about you know, consulting me on this project. Should this be made into a feature film? Yeah. When we watched it, we were in a puddle. We were moved emotionally. And the Lord just gave us a total peace about moving forward with this project. We had no idea that when we were completing it, and it was about to be released in 48 states and 1,500 theaters, that Roe v. Wade would be overturned. So God's providential timing, his laser precise timing is at play right now. And we're just very grateful to be a part of it. Stephen Kendrick, in about 20 seconds, how can people go watch it? LifeMarkMovie.com, the website. You can go to LifeMarkMovie.com, type in your zip code. You can see what theaters are playing the film, and uh, you can watch trailers and clips, but it's all across the nation. You can watch it with your family. We will encourage you, you know, take your church, your business, support this film, and use it to change lives in your community. You won't regret it. And that's exactly what we hope people will do. Stephen Kendrick, thanks so much for swinging by. Thank you so much. God bless. Take care. Coming up, the Babylon Bee has a new book on the guide to democracy. You're going to love it. We'll tell you about it when we come back. Joel Berry from the Babylon Bee joins us. Stay with us. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy 
so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Washington Watch, I'm Joseph Backholm sitting in for Tony today. Reminder that the website is TonyPerkins.com where you can watch this and every episode of Washington Watch whenever it is most convenient for you. Sometimes the news from our nation's capital is so strange it doesn't seem real. This may be why the satirical Christian news site, The Babylon Bee, has found such an audience. With 15 million page views a week and more than 250,000 newsletter subscribers, they are the most viewed satirical website in the world. And they have a new book out this week, The Babylon Bee Guide to Democracy, How to Flawlessly Rig Elections, Bribe Any Politician, and Crush Your Political Enemies for Good. Lots of information there that you're going to need, as you can tell by the title. Joining me now to discuss this new book and all things Babylon Bee is Joel Berry. He's the managing editor of the Babylon Bee and one of the authors of the book. Joel, good to see you today. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me. Well, President Biden last week gave a speech on the threats to democracy, which Seems to be a good setup for the release of your book this week because you're talking about how to save democracy as well. Are you guys uh, working together on this project? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's it's it is really interesting timing. Um, I, I think the word democracy. There there are a few words in the English language right now that are spoken with uh, 
with more uh, sanctimony and self-righteousness uh, by people who don't even understand what the word means. Um, and, and, and so I, I think your average layperson, when they think democracy, they kind of think of it in a generic term, like, you know, freedom, you know, rule by the people. Um, when the left is talking about democracy, what they're talking about is the system, the status quo that, that keeps them in power. Um, what you'll see in this book and, and what many of us know here on the right is that uh, the, the United States is not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. Um, but we kind of have some fun with, with, with this idea of, of democracy and, and uh, where it comes from, uh, how to defend it, uh, different democracies around the world. The guide will tell you everything that you need to know. Well, and to that point, just to give people an, an understanding of what this is, because I did read this over the weekend with my family. Uh, some of the chapter titles include The Origin Story of America, Winning and Rigging Elections, and uh, my kid's favorite, which is Chapter 10, Destroying Your Political Opponent's Stupid Faces. And yes, that is the title, <laughs> Destroying Your Political Opponent's Stupid Faces. And they really enjoyed the introduction to that chapter. Now, it's intended to be funny, but you are making serious points, aren't you? Yeah, I, you know, I think one one of the, you know, some of the feedback that I've been pleasantly surprised by uh, from people that have read it so far is that, um, you know, this book, obviously, we have a point of view, we're conservatives, we're Christians, but this book does kind of, uh, you know, it points its canons in all directions, you know, it, it does uh, talk about the the partisanship, the division, uh, the hatred that we have for our political enemies, uh, oftentimes, whether we're on the right or the left. Uh, and we do skewer libertarians in here a little bit as well. Um, but I, I think we're we're all in the same boat. Uh, you know, this this is a this is a crazy system. Um, you know, it's all it's fueled oftentimes by media and social media outrage. Uh, and and if you are not paying attention. If you're not careful, it's, it's very easy to get caught up in that kind of that outrage machine, uh, the, the division that we see in our country. But if you step back and, and, and really, you know, get to know your neighbor and talk to your neighbor in person outside of the internet, I, I think that we're not as divided as, as uh, people might think. Yeah, I think you make a good point that that's one of the things that the traditional media outlets, the corporate media, on both the left and the right are kind of discouraging right now is giving people the benefit of the doubt, because it yeah. really is profitable to just mock and ridicule people who disagree with you. And, and it encourages the polarization that I really think is, is unhelpful for our country and our democracy, however you want to define that. And, and But to that point, I want to dig into the kind of the heart of the points that you're trying to make. And President Biden, again, last week made this speech about saving democracy. Do you think that democracy is at risk in America in a meaningful way? Who? Um, I mean, yes. Um, the 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 speech from from Biden was um, it, it was so sinister it was almost comical and it, it gave it gave the B a lot of uh, comedic fuel that week when the speech did come out from the lighting to everything he said in the speech. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think the biggest danger right now um, is the fact that so many of us, and, and especially the younger generation come up, are, are very uh, poorly uh, educated, miseducated when it comes to how our democracy works, uh, what our constitution is designed to do, um, how just how the system works. Um, and and I, I think people who desire power, people who desire control over our lives, um, take advantage of that ignorance. Um, and, and if we're not careful, you know, it's we are headed for uh, for a dark place if we're not if not willing to speak out, uh, if we're not intentional about uh, educating our children. 
um, and, and and being active in the in the political process, not in a, not in a partisan way or or, or uh, you know in a way that a lot of people are involved in it, like it's almost like a competitive sport. But but from a standpoint of of uh, standing for principle, um, uh, speaking truth, and uh, and fighting for the next generation, you know, it's 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 really important. You know, if if we're not very intentional and if we're not outspoken, um, these people in Washington that are a part of this corrupt system, they, they will do whatever they can get away with. Yeah. You know, to your point about the lack of education that is at the kind of the root of our challenges, I see no better illustration than the way we responded to this Dobbs decision when really the Supreme Court said, hey, we're going to give this to the elector, to the democratic process. We're the judges when it doesn't say that there's a right to abortion in the Constitution. That means the political branches of the government, the people elected by the public, they're the ones that need to make those decisions. And the outrage over this idea that those we elect would make this decision, I think highlights the fact that we have no idea what the difference between Article 1 and Article 3 in our Constitution is, what the difference between the elected branch and the executive branch is. Do you think our lack of uh, awareness and understanding, is that an accident or was that deliberate? Oh, no. Um, I I think it's very deliberate. Um, I think the left has been, um, you know, they've been working to this end for the better part of a century. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it has started in, in the, the world of education. Um, you know, they have a very specific worldview. Um, they, they are a kind of a by any means necessary, uh, you know, uh, mode of operating. And, and, um, uh, yeah, I think that, um, it is, um, it, it is absolutely intentional. Um, it, after that decision, it's funny that you bring that up. Um, I, I remember seeing tweets, uh, talking about how this, this Dobbs decision was a fascist decision. You're talking about the fascists in, in the Supreme court. And I'm thinking this, the Supreme court just gave the people back their freedom. They just said, now, now the people have a say, you can have this debate among your, amongst yourselves and you can make your own laws. You're no longer being ruled by fiat from, you know, nine people in robes. And um, the, the fact that that so many people have been tricked into thinking their freedoms being given back to them is is fascist or is anti-democratic. Um, it really it's uh, it. This didn't happen overnight. This has happened over decades and decades of, of uh, intentional, slow, methodical move through the institutions on the left and frankly, you know, c- complacency on our side. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point because um, when we talk about you know the, the system, that we don't have an appreciation for the fact that the process matters, that the process was created on purpose, and the fact that we don't want to be ruled by an oligarch of of robes, people in robes, we're focused on the outcome rather than the yeah. process that leads to an outcome. And the American system uh, requires the right process to reach the right outcome. And when we don't yeah. protect the process because we like the outcome, the risk, of course, is that that same process, uh, an oligarchy or judicial fiat can be used against us, which is why yeah. as Americans and in in what civics is no longer teaching is the fact that the process we use to reach the conclusion is just as important as the conclusion itself. And I think the yeah. outrage, this idea that a court giving power back to the political branch is fascism 
It's just because they don't like the result of that. And they don't yeah. see any benefit to themselves as everybody when the process matters so much because, uh, again, that, that sword cuts both ways. But one other thing I want to highlight from your book, uh, you actually talk about the fourth branch of government, uh, which most <laughs> people are not aware of. And you have an entire chapter dedicated to the fourth branch of government. Uh, what is that fourth branch and why do you think it's so important to cover? <laughs> Yeah, we call the the fourth uh, branch of government in the book is the corporate branch. So, um, this, you know, this might rile some libertarians up a little bit who, who often talk about leaving corporations alone. Private corporations need to be allowed to do, do their own thing. But what we're in a, kind of this weird, brave new world now where where corporations have become so incredibly powerful. Um, big tech alone. Uh, more powerful uh, over our daily speech uh, than than most entire governments of entire countries. And, and uh, what we've even seen in, in recent weeks is not only are they extremely powerful, um, but they are often making moves and censoring people and silencing people at the behest of government. We saw uh, with Mark Zuckerberg and, and Facebook when he talked about how kind of the, the FBI um, pressured them to, to silence the Hunter laptop story. I think I think we're seeing it with Twitter. Um, you know, I there there is this very corrupt partnership that is that has grown between big corporations um, and government to where it's it's kind of hard to distinguish the two anymore. And and government has this way of kind of going around uh, the Bill of Rights by by laundering their 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 censorship or their their illegal activity through these corporations. And you know, they can hide behind the private corporations. They can do whatever whatever they want. So we kind of skewer that idea a little bit in the book. And we're talking to Joel Berry from the Babylon Bee. And Joel, to that point, um, in the, earlier in the program, we talked to Liz Merle, who's the Solicitor General from the state of Louisiana, because Louisiana and Missouri are doing investigations into this. They have lawsuits specifically targeting this relationship between the tech companies and the White House. But uh, are you guys still banned by Twitter? <laughs> yeah, our account is still there. So you can you can look up our account on Twitter and find it. But we haven't tweeted since the beginning of the year. So we're, we're still locked out. And um, it, Twitter has given us a way to come back on. So in, in order to, um, it, to to come back on, we have to click a little box saying that we have engaged in hate speech and, and our owner, Seth, Seth Dillon, you know, uh, God bless him. He, he said, we're not doing that. We're not going to bend the knee to these guys and their ideology. And so uh, Joel, we, will, we will no people- longer tweet. Remind people the origin of your ban and what hate speech you have engaged in. Yeah, well, so um, Rachel Levine, the the assistant HHS secretary, who is a a biological male, uh, transgender female or transgender woman, um, USA Today had uh, named Rachel Levine their woman of the year. And we thought that was really funny. And so we just kind kind of mischievously decided to create our own award and we named Rachel Levine our man of the year. And so uh, we tweeted that out and uh, it, I think it got mass reported. Uh, Twitter uh, took the tweet down and, and locked us out. We haven't been back since. Now, we saw this week the news that 25% of registered Democrats believe that men can get pregnant. How many of them do you think are on staff at Twitter? Uh, um, yeah, quite a few of them. Uh, you know, Twitter is a, is a weird animal. Um, it's, it's doesn't seem to be a a particularly well-run, uh, business. It's not making a lot of money. Uh, but what it does have, um, is a lot of power over the, the, over speech in the public square. Um, it has a very, uh, 
uh, rigid and narrow ideological bent. And uh, it has kind of this partnership with the government to, and, and with big media to craft narratives and, and to change narratives. And so, um, you know, we, we saw Elon Musk trying to kind of uh, fix that with his potential purchase, which seems to be on hold now. So we, we don't know what's going to happen, but, um, you know, we, we kind of, all you can do in the end is really trust God. He's in control. He's bigger than all these tech companies and oligarchs. Well, that is the truth, but it does your experience and the way you highlight this, it is a good point. And it's almost a worthwhile way of thinking about these, the, the corporate influence over the way we are governed now to think of them as a fourth branch of government, because the public square has now been privatized for most purposes. And that matters. And, and we as informed citizens need to have an understanding of that. Joel, you guys yeah. laugh about a lot of serious things and you help other people laugh about serious things. But do you think America can be quote unquote saved or are we just uh, <laughs> laughing rather than crying <laughs> ooh that's a good question i um i don't know i mean um things obviously don't look good now um we know that in the past um i guess i i hold out hope for spiritual revival i think that spiritual revival is the only way we really get out of this. And, and it would really have to be a work of God and the Holy Spirit, um, just massively changing the culture in a very miraculous and quick way before things devolve even, even further. Um, you know, but it, it's, it's also possible that, that things are nearing an end. And we're kind of like, you know, as uh, Andrew Clavin likes to say, laughing our way through the fall of the Republic. And, you know, I think it's important to, to be aware of that possibility and, and, and be aware and, and remember that, um, our kingdom is not of this earth. Our kingdom uh, is yeah. is a spiritual kingdom that will never be overthrown. Christ is on the on the throne, and and even if things seem really bad and and get worse in the short term, we know where things end up in the long term. We ha we have that living hope through Christ, and so that's something that we, I think we always have to hold on to through these battles as we continue to stand up, speak the truth, you know, fight the political yeah. battles where we have to because it's the right thing to do because we're, we want to be salt and light here um, on the earth. Um, keeping that perspective that regardless of whether we, we win or lose, Christ is on the throne, we, we have to always remember that. That's a great point to end on, Joel Berry of the Babylon Bee. The book is The Babylon Bee to Guide to Democracy, How to Flawlessly Rig Elections, Bribe Any Politician, and Crush Your Political Enemies for Good. You will enjoy it, friends. Go get it. Joel Berry, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. And friends, he makes a really good point. Uh, whatever the state of the world is, we know God is in control, but we know nothing has ever been perfect, and that includes America. There's always things to improve, um, and we are rebuilding. Lots of institutions have been terminally corrupted, and it's our job as the church to preserve, to recreate, to be builders. That's who God has made us to be. So whatever you see in the headlines, don't despair. God is in, in charge, and we have a job. See you tomorrow on Washington Watch. Until then. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.